Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. Purpose has been around since the beginning of man. I mean, to be honest with you, humanity. I mean, it's the reason why you know people get up in the morning and what drives people, obviously, to meaning and purpose and things like that. And it has. This has accelerated everything. Yeah. Because it requires us to to lead our people in a very different way, especially when they're to your point remote, where they're not in the office and not around other people doing similar work or doing work to move the organization forward. They've got to be grounded in something more important and something more meaningful to continue that momentum and that engagement when they're not in the office and don't have other stimulus around them. So it's, you're right, it's critically important. It's accelerated the whole movement, I think, beyond belief in every way, shape, or form. Luis is a globally recognized thought leader, speaker, writer, and Fortune 200 HR executive. He's the author of five books, a contributing writer for Forbes, and the founder of the Voice of Purpose, and World Child Cancer USA. His career credits include VP of Teammate Experience for Davida, Head of Global Engagement for Tesla, VP of HR for Stryker, and currently serves on the advisory board for Ashford University, Forbes School of Business and Technology, and Ghost Station. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking Nature podcast. Very excited to be chatting today with Luis about purpose, the challenges and the opportunities for the workforce of now and the future, your new book, Lewis, Unleashing You. And of course, the story of you being in Scotland, <laughs> stranded for the past six or seven months. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> I'm great. Good. I'm well, honored to be on the show. And, and thanks for having me. And by the way, happy birthday to Hacking HR, three years. That's awesome. I saw the yeah. email earlier. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been, it's been quite an interesting journey. One that I, I, I never thought that we were going to be in the place where we are today. People like you, you know, me and many others that have participated in the Hacking HR conversations. We've been talking about the future of work. I don't think any, any of us would ever, you know, ever expected to see it happening so quickly, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically 10 years accelerated into six months. Uh, absolutely. And, and yeah. one great example of that is the conversation that we were having offline about your daughter connecting from Scotland to school in the US at 9 p.m. because that's the time zone that works. I mean, I don't think any of us ever thought that something like that was going to be possible, at least not in six months. Yeah, no, it's, the world is, un, is unimaginable now. It really is. I mean, I, I, we were talking right before this podcast about our travels across the US before we came over to Scotland to visit my wife's family. And we, are, we went to Disney World, we visited family in different states, we went to New York Broadway shows, ate out, I mean, just enjoyed, went to Washington DC, saw monuments, enjoyed the US, at the, you know, as much as we possibly could in our trip. And then literally now it's just the whole world 
has gone upside down. It, it, you just couldn't imagine it. Yeah, absolutely. And now, if, if you think about it, there, there are a number of things that we have been talking about, we had been talking about before that needed to happen in life and, and it worked. One of the things that I know you, you're very passionate about and have written extensively about is purpose at work. Purpose is not something new. It's not something that we invented yesterday. It's been around 50, 60 years now. But more generally, a lot of companies didn't really pay attention to that. And now they are looking more at the human with all the complexities that the human has to deal with in life, the challenges and whatnot. And it seems that this concept is emerging with you know, more strength than ever before. Am I right in that, in that idea that it's becoming more interesting now to talk about this? Absolutely. And to your point, I mean, purpose has been around since the beginning of man. I mean, to be honest with you, humanity, I mean, it's the reason why, you know, people get up in the morning and what drives people, obviously, to meaning and purpose and things like that. And it has, this has accelerated everything yeah. because it requires us to, to lead our people in a very different way, especially when they're, to your point, remote, where they're not in the office and not around other people doing similar work or doing work to move the organization forward. They've got to be grounded in something more important and something more meaningful to continue that momentum and that engagement when they're not in the office and don't have other stimulus around them. So it's, you're right, it's critically important. It's accelerated the whole movement, I think, beyond belief in every way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Luis, I, I want to talk about three things related to, to purpose. The number one thing is, what does a purpose-based organizational culture look like? And, and I want to ask you that question because very often there are things that we talk about that people cannot touch, right? And I, I like to give them an idea of how it feels like, how it looks like. So that's one thing that I would love for you to share with us. The second thing is, what is preventing us from building that kind of purpose-based culture? And, and of course, the third thing is, what do we need to build it? So I'm going to be asking you these three questions separately okay. let's, let's, so that you don't, don't worry about remembering them. But let's begin with, okay, the, with, the, with the first one. What does a purpose-based organizational culture feel look like? Yes. Yeah, so the best way to describe this is when someone gets out of bed in the morning and they go into the office, we talk about organizations that are trying to grow, let's say, a top and bottom line by 10, 15, 20% or whatever it is. Most people that go into work don't understand how P&L works or how the finances of an organization. And they don't get out of bed and get excited and motivated to grow the financials of the business. Maybe if you're in the finance department, you have a little closer connection to it. But at the end of the day, why people go to work is because there's something more meaningful, right? And it keeps it, it transitions it from a nine to five job to a meaning and purpose, which means people work harder, they do better quality work, they service their customers better. So what that means in an organization is someone at every level of the organization, no matter what job they're doing, is when they're doing that job, they're thinking about the ultimate outcome of what they're doing, right? Um, for example, if they're working in the, in a, in a uh, let's say a medical industry, for example, which medical has done obviously very well over the years. It's usually a pretty robust business or it's been in the past, some high margins and things like that. But if you have employees coming to work that want to improve the health of, of the customers they deal with, right? They wanna make, um, give people a better quality of life. They wanna save lives. And that's their motivation. They'll be more committed to the work they do, right? They will care about it more. They'll put in the extra hours. 
they'll work harder. If you're in an industry that has to deal with, for example, animals, and you hire someone who doesn't love animals, um, you're gonna get the basics, right? You're gonna get exactly what you tell them to do. If they really love animals, I'm right now in Scotland, as you mentioned, I'm in a place where there's horses outside, it's a horse farm. It's an amazing, amazing place. <laughs> and the people who work here, love horses they love the animals and you can see the attention and how well the animals are are kept and there's a there's a purpose behind what they're doing right there's a, there's a much higher meaning behind their work and it translates into the love for their animals and the love for their work and so anything you do whether it be i have an example of one of my books on a recognition company where i sort of spoke to one of the people on the assembly line that was polishing one of the little gave a way to recognize great work. And when I asked her what she did, is she said she helps recognize great work. And whenever wow. she does polishes those pins every day for eight hours a day for, I think it was like 30 years or whatever it was, she thought about when that pin was being given to that employee and how they felt. And when they brought it home and how proud they were to their family and their children, that's what she thought about. So she polished that thing extra good, right? It shined, it looked beautiful. Um, but that was her motivation. And it was above and beyond anything else she was doing, above and beyond her paycheck. That's how her, her connection was to the organization. So organizations that get it and leaders that believe in it and build this into the DNA, you have people, you know, there's an energy about it that you just can't get. With Tesla, same thing. I mean, people would get emotional over what we were doing because they wanted to improve the environment, right? They wanted to change the, the way we used energy. It was amazing. And it was just an emotional connection to it. It feels good and it's engaging, it's inspiring. It's motivating. Absolutely. I, I love the example, by the way, when this, this person that you spoke to, she, she saw her work not as producing that little thing, but as the outcome, like you said before, connecting her work with the outcome of what she was trying to, to achieve. That, that, that's really powerful. Now, Luis, you, you're describing something that, of course, you know, I, 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 it's, it's a concept that, is, that, is, uh, that I know but even if I didn't know it, it is intuitive. People who are doing something that they find meaning, happiness, because they are connecting with something that is larger than them, and they feel that they are giving you know, their energy to build that something, that sounds incredibly intuitive for me. But that hasn't happened in the workplace. In the workplace, that has not become the reality. Why not when this is something that can deliver so much value for the individual, for the human that is working and for the company. Why, what, what's preventing us from thinking in that purpose-based culture? Well, number one, it's a belief in that it works, right? It's a belief that's human, human uh, nature and human outcomes and performance. Um, and there's some leaders out there that don't get it and don't believe in it, which like you, I'm shocked by that, but it does work and there's tons and tons of research out there the social correlation between a purpose-driven organization, a culture of care, and the results you get. So that's um, across the board. I mean, you, just a quick search on the web, you'll find tons and tons of examples. So number one is belief. Once you have belief, the, the other reason, because leaders forget to connect, or they're not intentional about connecting the end result of what the organization's doing for the employee doing the work. And I'm going to give you another example of this. And this is my Prime example, I, I was very blessed to grow up at Stryker, which is a, a Fortune 300 medical device company in HR. I grew up there and I learned HR, so sort of cut my teeth there. And there was lots of positions manufacturing hip and knee implants, which was one of their core products. And there was one position in the manufacturing site when I used to go out and see the, the people out there 
is they would put beads on the products, like little, the hand put these little metal beads that would help with the adhesive when they put it in your body and the bone, the glue and things like that. It was an incredibly tedious job. There were people doing it for decades. And I tried it for a couple hours and I, I almost jumped off a cliff. I struggled <laughs> doing the work, right? But these people did it time and time again and their work was so critically important because the products went into someone's body, again, improved someone's life, saved someone's life. But what leaders did in this organization, which was amazing, and I sort of learned this there, is they would bring in patients um, and people that were impacted by that product into the manufacturing site, into the office site, and they would have them talk about their story. And there was never a dry eye in the house when someone would come in and said they couldn't pick up their grandkids before, or they were struggling with pain, they couldn't walk, or it saved their life because they had cancer and they had to have, you know, our products used to save their lives. When they saw the end result of the work they did, it suddenly became so much more important mm. and so much more meaningful. So those people putting those beads saw those people, those faces of people that they've helped. And suddenly, it's no longer putting beads, it's improving and saving a life. And that's how powerful, and that keeps these people sustained, like I said, for decades doing the work. And it's incredibly important work. And every role in the organization has a connection to that, right? Whether you're the receptionist or the HR, the IT person, or in engineering or finance, whatever it is, you all play in to that. And so if you can make those connections, and that's where organizations fail, right? If the leaders believe in it, that's number one, but then they need to make the connection at every level of the organization. And then you need to live it, right? You need to celebrate, talk about stories and celebrate those stories of when it happens and then reminders on the walls, on literature you send out, on paychecks, whatever you do, right? You remind people, pictures of your patients, pictures of your customers, and that reinforces it. Absolutely. I, these, these things that you're talking about, they, they sound pretty HR-like to me. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 of course, a business leader uh, sort of a, a, a driven kind of culture that you're describing. But at the same time, I see a lot of potential impact of HR in doing this, connecting the dots and, you know, building the beliefs that this is important in the organization and, of course, leaving it. So... Out of the three things that I wanted to ask you when it, about purpose at work, the, 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 the last of those three things is how, how do we build it? And you partially responded to this question about, you know, creating connection, really believing in it and living it. But when it comes to HR, we, uh, what's, what can we do to be better and do better at building this kind of culture? And I asked this question from this perspective. There are corporate leaders, CEOs, CFOs, whatnot, that truly believe on the human side of things. And when you come to them and you tell them, if we do this, it is the right thing for, do to the, for the human, even if you don't tell them the financials of it, they would say, go for it. Because if this is going to improve lives, we're going to go for it. But there are some other leaders that are more like, all right, how much is it going to cost? What's the ROI? How is it going to impact the bottom line and, and whatnot? So what's the role of HR in trying to leverage these two types of leaders, but also trying to create this kind of culture? So that's a great question. And one thing I would say, first of all, is that HR needs to understand how business works. And we've yeah. talked about being a strategic HR business partner for decades now. And unfortunately, a lot of HR people don't know how to read a P&L, don't understand the finances and how the financials work. Now, every leader, whether it's a great leader, like you mentioned, that cares about people and understands the connection to driving business results or a leader 
that may not connect as much to the people and is all about the financials. In both cases, it's a business, right? Yeah. And you need to drive top and bottom line results. And what happens if you don't is you can't hire more like-minded people, you can't continue to grow your business and you can't continue to serve your community, your customers in the world and you can't fulfill your purpose, right? So if you're a purpose-based organization, I always, I, when I first got in the space a long time ago, I, the, the concept of money was dirty in the purpose <laughs> world, right? You didn't mention it together. And I wrote that book, Purpose Meets Execution, solely for that reason to bring those together because money is not an ugly word in, in a business or a not-for-profit, whatever the case may be. Cash flow and, under, and, and bringing, building a business requires you to run a good business model. So in that line, HR needs to understand the work they do and how it connects to the business. And they need to position it that way. They need to present it that way. It's great to go and say, you know, we, it's, we, we have a caring organization. We need to care for our people. And everybody say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to be able to quantify how caring for people turns results in business results, right? And again, growing up in the world of Stryker, where there was tons and tons of research on the correlation behind high engagement and high performing teams, right? It was, there was no, no mystery around it, right? We saw the more engagement they had, the more sort of purpose and meaning, the better the business results. And then the more customers we can serve, the more lives we can save, more lives we can improve. So when HR is approaching the business on this, they need to approach it from a business sense, right? They need to talk about, it's great. I mean, the, the caring for the people is almost a byproduct, which is sad. I mean, I, I'm, I'm driven by the heart and I'd love to just go in and say, this is the right thing to do for humanity. We need to do that, but it's not realistic. You can care for people and love them and go out of business and then they all lose their jobs and their families can't eat and your customers suffer. So you've got to do both. And the way that we both is package this, this purpose-driven concept, this meaning and care within how it drives business results, whether you're working for a leader that gets it or not, and that's how you do it. And then HR has to work behind the curtain. So HR can't drive these things. It's not an HR initiative. A purpose-based organization has to, has to be the CEO, the head of that organization that gets out and say, this is what we stand for. This is why we care for people. This is a connection to the business. This is what we do. And then HR supports them. But if you're in HR, if you're trying to lead this and trying to be the face of purpose for the organization or the face of engagement and face of purpose, any of it, you're going to fail because it's got to be driven from the leader and it's got to cascade down through all the departments. And I always talk about a chocolate cake. If you cut a chocolate cake, whichever way you cut it, it's chocolate inside and chocolate outside, right? <laughs> um, that's what a purpose-based organization looks like. It's through and through. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're making an amazing point of, of HR understanding more of, of the business. And, and it, it, it's, it's a pretty basic idea if you if you think about it because how do you how do you know that whatever you're doing is contributing or hindering the achievement of the goals or building the purpose-based culture if you don't understand what your organization is about if you don't understand that the the metal beats that you put on the on on some of your products to help people walk or be able to move without pain if you don't understand that from the hr perspective how do you know that the people that you're recruiting or the people that the culture that you're trying to build will help uh, move the organization in that direction. So I, I think that's, that's powerful. So, so Luis, let me switch gears a little bit here and, and ask you about all this mess that we're going through right now in the world, coronavirus. And, and that's how uh, we started our conversation, talking about, a little bit about what's happening in the world. But I also want to ask you about the opportunities and challenges for people 
and work itself to to be reimagined, to be recreated, if you will, in a different uh, direction, if that makes sense, based on all that's going on today. So can you just talk a little bit about opportunities and challenges based on all that's happening right now? Yeah, well, I think there's an opportunity more than anything in this world to bring people together. And we, we've got to bring humanity together in a, um, in a, in a positive way where we, we have, if you look at the world right now, whether between countries or between organizations or between teams, we're just, or between cultures and ethnic backgrounds, we are just divided more than ever before. And I think we have a, a strong hand to play in HR in general is to help bring people together. And I think the way you do that is by getting to know people. I had an amazing blessing of to live and work around the world for many, many years in my career. And by doing that, I got to understand cultures and people the way I've never understood them, working in Europe and then working in Japan and things like that. But the way I got to do that is because I got to know the people, right? I got to know their stories and who they are. And I think that's one of the biggest opportunities is when we talk about diversity and belonging, diversity and inclusion, whatever you want to call it, um, bringing people together is understanding who people are, where they're coming from, how they think, and appreciating that, right? And being same where, where, um, where needed, different where, where possible, as opposed to trying to paint the whole world with one brush. Yeah. And that's the, the way you build communities and cultures that, that bring people together, where we appreciate each other, we know each other, and we understand each other, and there's relationships built. And that's, I think, one of the, the key cores around that. And then I think building, it goes hand in hand with really building a caring culture and caring organizations where people genuinely care about their people, yeah. And, and leaders, and it's, it's in the heart, right? It's in their heart. It's not just lip service and people getting up and putting things on the wall that you don't live. It's leadership by example. So if you want to create these type of, these type of cultures and further bring people together, then it's got to be lived by everybody in the organization. Back to my, sort of my chocolate cake sort of, um, example. Um, and, that, and that's, I think, a, a core, a core um, opportunity now. And one of the challenges on the back end, which is interesting, I'm hearing this through some of my colleagues I'm speaking to, is because the world is unfortunately so messed up right now with, with COVID and, and riots and fires, I mean, there's tons of issues like everywhere. They're worried that when they have low performers in their business, um, that how do they let some of these people go, for example, if they're not performing? What do they do with these people like that? How do you have a, a caring culture and then send someone out without a job into this world who's not performing? And my answer to that is, you know, in a caring culture and an organization where you really care for, for people is you support them and you help them succeed in, the, in, in their roles in the organization, or you help them realize that they're in the wrong place in life, right? The long, the long, long role, wrong role, wrong company, wrong team, whatever it is. So they start looking and they move on their own. I mean, the best termination is someone who goes on their own. Now there will be always times when that doesn't happen, no matter what you do. But the way you you care for people in an environment like this or any environment is you make sure there's very clear expectations around their role, right? What what you expect them to do. You have the clear connection to the purpose of their work, what the purpose and meaning is. And then when they're not performing, you, you manage that work and you reaffirm how important their work is connected to the larger mission and purpose. And then when they're not performing and you've done everything you can, tools to do, then it's your responsibility as a culture of care to actually move them on. Because if you yeah. don't, back to my early example, 
you don't do what you need to do in the business and other people lose jobs and other people yeah. suffer for it. So you've, you've got to manage that and balance. And I think that's one of the challenges now because I, I talk to HR leaders that are really pained by, and I get it, right? I mean, how do you send someone out into this world with, with a family? But you've got to, you've got to balance that. Yeah. And, and I think a, a caring culture is, caring culture is running a good business, yeah. which a lot of people don't put together. So I think yeah. that's one of the challenges in today's environment as well, because it's even more difficult to run your business than ever before. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. And, and that, that reminds me of research that shows that if you have a team of people that are performing at a high level and you bring somebody who is not at that level and you don't do anything about it, that person's going to bring the performance of everybody else down because they observe that there's no, uh, there's no, uh, nobody addressing the performance uh, issues of this person. And, you know, that, that doesn't really incentivize the rest of the people to continue to do or maintain that high level of performance. So I, I, this, this is a very hard conversation. And then something else that you mentioned before, you, I'm going to say something that may sound a little naive to you, but hey, I believe in this. <laughs> you know, when, when, I, when I think about the people that have the most amount of impact in the shortest amount of time on the most amount of people, I think, of course, a political leaders, number one, you know, they have a lot of impact on everybody. Number two, to me, is business leaders. And number three, it is HR for me. And the rationale for me to say that it's HR is that in most organizations for every HR person, there are two, anywhere between two and 400 people that are impacted by the work that that one person is doing in HR. So I just, I, I think, imagine if you have a 5,000 people company or a 10,000 people company would say, you know, 20, 50 HR professionals working in that company. Imagine if that HR is an exceptional HR, the best HR in the world. Those 10, 5, 10,000 people will be happier employees, will find more joy in the work that they're doing. But at the same time, they will become better neighbors, better citizens, better, better people, not just at work, but outside of work. So to me, what you're saying about, you know, creating the kind of a chart that sees the opportunity to connect people, to bring people together, that to me talks about this scale of how important we are in the, in the, in the world of life and work. Yeah, and I'm incredibly obviously biased being in HR for many, many years, but I do think it's one of the most critical roles in an organization because HR is about the people yeah. and organizations are people. Yeah. And if you take the people away, there is no organization. Correct. So um, it's, we, that's where we spend our days. So I think it's, I always hated in HR being called a cost center. It, yeah. it killed me. <laughs> and I think if we, if we shift our mindset and truly become strategic business partners, we, we can we see the way of how we generate income and how we grow businesses and what we do. So you're absolutely right. It's the backbone of organization. Great leaders get it, right? They want the very best HR in their organizations because they know how much better everything will be with a good HR leader in those roles. So absolutely. Absolutely. So let me use this as a, as a segue to, to the last thing that I wanted to chat with you today the kind of HR that you're describing is the HR, the HR that allows people to thrive, to flourish at work. And that to me sounds pretty much like unleashing people. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you and I want to hear from you about your new book, Unleashing You. What's it about? Enrique, thank you for asking. And uh, it's a book that will hopefully be out. The goal is, is beginning of next year. And it's to help people realize their, their full potential in life in general. It's, it's, it's both straddles, both your personal life and your career. And it really goes back to the, the, child, the essence of who you are in your 
God-given inherent sort of perfection and beauty and power that we're all born with. And I look at my daughters, I have a 12-year-old and seven-year-old, and I always marvel at when kids are young, right? They, they try to crawl, they try to walk, they try to run, they try to jump, and they're just resilient, right? They, they continue to get up, they have confidence, they're curious. And what happens over life is it gets beaten out of us, right? We have bad experiences. People say really negative, harsh things to us. We start losing our self-confidence. We start losing our resilience and we stop getting back up. So the goal of unleashing you is starting at that foundation to understand your, your beauty, your perfection, your power that you, you're born here with. And then how do you reconnect to that to accomplish what you want to accomplish in life? and eliminate those barriers that you have. And in there is lots of tools to help you accomplish, as an example, to help you accomplish one of your big goals using sort of this, this mindset of, of resilience and, and learning from mistakes that you make to get better. And that's what the whole thing's about because I'm just really, really always been interested in human potential. Yeah. And I've always wanted that my, my goal has always been to, to help people. And this, that's what this book is all about is to help people think about themselves in a different light and think about who they are. And that's the magic of, of everybody, right? Being yeah. you, a lot of people are trying desperately to fit in and be someone else. But when you think about the people that are wildly successful in the world or really enjoying life, are those are the people that are being them. Yeah. And that was what makes you unique. So this book is all about that, getting back to who you are, the beautiful colors inside you, the beautiful power you have, and embracing that and standing out for who you are and feeling good about that and what you can accomplish as a result of it. I absolutely love it. And as you know, the, the theme for the conference in 2021 is unlocking your potential. And the reason for that is very much aligned with the concept of the Unleashing You book. You know, I, I think we're going through so much and we're going to need to become more resilient, but also bring back, relearn what we are endowed when we're born, which is being curious, using our imagination, our creativity, that we, all of that is, is taken out of us in, a, in, you know, in the formal education system and then at work. And we need to take all of those skills back for us to be able to not just survive all that's gonna, what's, what, what's going to be happening in the next few years, but to thrive as humans. So I... That, that idea of, of being you, uh, you know, and only you can be the best you ever. You know, there's, you, you, won't, you won't ever be the best you if you're copying somebody else. Uh, you are going to be the best you if you are unleashing who you really are. Love that, Luis. Can't wait to, to get my hands on the book when, when it comes out. So uh, to wrap up our conversation, got a last, uh, last couple of questions for you. First one is, we've been talking about a purpose-based culture, a new kind of HR that uh, believes in purpose, that creates connections between business outcomes and the work that everybody is doing and leave that kind of culture. But like everything else, everything else in life, training for the mind and for the physical body, it always starts with step number one, right? There's a, there's a first step in the journey. If you were to recommend one action that HR leaders can take to begin walking this journey, what would that action be? I would say to build a culture of safety where people feel comfortable sharing their thoughts, their concerns, and about themselves. And, and what I'm saying is I think the biggest challenge, as you know, you probably saw statistics with anxiety, depression, suicide, loneliness on the, up, on the upswing. And now with COVID, it's going to get even worse. It's going to continue to accelerate. 
and creating a culture where people feel safe talking about their concerns, their challenges, I think will help alleviate and, and take the pressure that's building up in some of the pipes sometime that, or, that people don't feel comfortable speaking about and thinks if they bring something up, they're gonna be demoted or fired or, or something else will, bad will happen to them. So I think the biggest thing HR can do is create a culture of safety for their people and get people up. And the way you do that is get people up in front of groups to talk about their feelings, people that are willing to do that. And once you do that, that person gets up and does that, I guarantee you other people will say, wow, that person just shared something really personal and really difficult for them. I'm gonna share my, my, my challenges and talk it through and help this person and then they can help me. And so I would say that's the biggest thing I would tell HR right now is to, is to do that. It's needed big time. Love that. It, 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 I'm thinking about the story of this CEO who recently was, you know, because of everybody working from home, the only place in his house where he was quiet to connect to his corporate meetings was from the bathroom because in the bathroom he wasn't uh, bothered by the kids or the dogs and whatnot. And he had this virtual background. And in a conversation with the CHRO of that company, the virtual background fell off or something. And she found out that he was, that he was in the bathroom. And she told him, when you come to the next town hall meeting, don't put the virtual background. Connect from the bathroom and let everybody else know that you're connecting from the bathroom. And you can explain why because you're not the only one going through that. There are other people going through the same thing and they don't wanna show that because they feel it as a sign of weakness. But if you do it, you're gonna be creating the psychological safety for everybody to say, man, I'm not the only one going through the same thing and connecting from the bathroom. The CEO is going through the same thing. So I, can, I feel comfortable you know, showing myself as I am. So, so love that, 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 that idea, um, Luis. Last question for you is, what are you the most excited and the most concerned about the future? Yeah, um, I'm excited about the opportunity to make sort of a remote virtual world work. Um, I think we can do that. I think with good leadership, good practices, and keeping humanity at the forefront, um, I think we can make this work and we can give people better lives. We can give people more uh, work-life integration. We could give them uh, more time with their families, things that they love. We could work in exercise. So I think that's really, really exciting uh, if we get it right. Um, the thing I'm, I'm really, really concerned about is just to continue ripple effect of COVID and the financial challenges, I think we're gonna still still see coming down the pipeline. We've, yeah. we've plugged all the holes with stimulus and things like that um, that are running out. May, some of it may come back, but with every day seeing businesses closing and people losing jobs and challenges, I, I do worry that there's gonna be a really heavy and more painful point coming um, from a financial perspective, whether it be six months or a year down the road, that's going to be a huge challenge for humanity across the globe. Yeah. And that's, my, that's the thing keeping me up at night because you just yeah. don't know what's, you don't know the black hole we're going into and no one really knows yeah. what is going to happen next at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Luis, thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing your insights and um, you know, inspiring HR people to do better because we can do better and building this purpose-based culture. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Enrique. It's an honor being here again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR episode. I'll see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. 
Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.